Very exciting day, Carly. Yes, a very exciting day. Um, we just finished up recording an incredible interview with a commissioner. Yes, we, we don't take that lightly. It is honestly one of our greatest accomplishments. We feel so lucky to have had Jessica Berman's time. She's the commissioner of the National Women's Soccer League, a former Proskauer alum, and we have a very cutting-edge, innovative interview for you guys. Yes, and you will get to hear that right now, so we'll see you guys there. We are here with Jessica Berman, the commissioner of the National Women's Soccer League. Jessica, thank you so much for squeezing us into your very busy schedule. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, we, we have some very exciting news to kick off the conversation today. It must have been a really fun environment. So for the listeners who don't know, the NWSL championship at Audi Field has been moved to primetime on CBS with the help of Ally Financial. Um, Ally Financial has been committed to elevating the game. And Jessica, we'd love to get your thoughts on this exciting news. Yeah, well, uh, a couple of thoughts. Number one, it's about time that women's sports and the NWSL in particular be in a position to actually deliver on our value proposition. We know that, and there's many examples of this, that when the NWSL is given an opportunity to be viewed and enjoyed by a wider audience that we deliver on the numbers and our promise to actually provide value to our partners and from a sponsorship and media perspective. But then second, I I think for me, like the case study here is really that CBS and Ally obviously partnered with us, not because this is the right thing to do or because they're uh, subsidizing or they view it as charity, but because they know this is good business. And to me, that's the most important takeaway for us is we're building the next generation of growth strategy is that we want and now feel really fortunate to have partners around us who believe that we can unlock our potential and are prepared to invest in growth and revenue to achieve those objectives. Yeah, I feel like we often hear the phrase, it's good business. And we had on a former guest who said like, investors are literally leaving money on the table if they're not investing in women's sports. So it's nice to kind of hear you you know, say in that way, but the last time we chatted, you were um, in the National Lacrosse League, and now you have this wonderful new role. You know, how has that transition been for you? Amazing. Uh, in many ways, a dream come true for me. Um, when I left the boardroom in my final interview for this role, the recruiter who curated the uh, opportunity for me said, you've been a commissioner in training, you just didn't know it. Um, And that's really how it feels in a lot of ways. I just feel really lucky to have had all of the exposure and experience throughout my career, each of which really uniquely prepared me for this opportunity. And although I didn't plan to sort of make this transition at this time, it really is the perfect platform and opportunity and and brand to really apply everything I've learned throughout my career and all the different iterations of my career in the context of women's sports and on behalf of the NWSL. And I'm really excited 
to to be here and to help lead the future of of the league. Well, it sounds like the league is in very good hands. Um, and I like that you said that you were able to kind of take those skill sets you have developed throughout your whole career. And I think it it says something for people who are just starting out in their career, where maybe Sarah and I are that all the skills you're doing everywhere you've been is is going to help you to where you want to go, even if it might not be exactly where you think you you might or you should be. Um, so I, I love what you said there. Um, yeah, everything's a learning opportunity. Um, and sometimes your learning opportunities are what you know you don't want to do. And those are just as important, frankly, as knowing what you want to do based on what you've done. Absolutely. We want to dive in a little bit to the league itself. So the NWSL introduced two new teams this year, Angel City FC and the San Diego Wave FC. How have these teams elevated the league's popularity and what is the league's overall view and timeline for expanding further? Yeah, I, I don't think their uh, success could be overstated. Um, it, it's been the catalyst, I think, the fuel that has ignited so much momentum and tailwinds for the league. And it's really been not just with the PR and perception of the success, but real metrics that are quantifiable and have really illustrated, I think, for the rest of the league, as well as prospective investors, what's possible with the NWSL. We know um, and I know Julie Ehrman has talked about it publicly. You know, they've they've sold over $30 million in sponsorship in their first season. Um, I was at their home opener. It was one of the most exciting sporting events I have ever been to, I think, in my in my life. And I guess for better or worse, I've attended a lot of sporting events. Um, and you know, you see what's happening with San Diego on the pitch with their success. Um, we know that they're moving into a new stadium in September, on September 17. And they've, I love how bold and courageous they've been in sort of announcing that they intend to break the record for most ever in attendance at a live NWSL match. And I believe their capacity is 35,000 people. And I intend to be there to see it firsthand. Um, I think it'll be just a really exciting moment. So yeah, I mean, their, their success is really driving the overall league success and so many opportunities to share best practices and learn from everything that they're doing really well. That's super exciting. Um, love the good news. Just out of curiosity, um, this question just came to my head, but what do you look for as a league in characteristics for an expansion city? Yeah, we, we typically look at a, a three through three lenses, uh, first being the investor group. And the investor group is not just how well resourced they are, but whether they're willing to use those resources to invest in the league. Um, so it really is a, a two-part analysis. First is really much more objective and quantifiable, looking at net worth statements and things like that. The second is a much more nuanced analysis because you could have all the money in the world, but if you're not going to spend it on the league and investing in revenue and growth, then I'm not sure um, it really achieves our objectives. So 
that's the first lens. The second lens is looking at the market itself. And some of the things we look at are competitive properties from an entertainment perspective. That's not just limited to sports, right? Like how are people spending their time recreationally? What else is going on in the marketplace? Um, What similarly situated properties exist? How do they perform? Um, Are people interested and willing to sort of spend their time attending events in the summertime uh, when we play uh, spring, summer, fall? Um, And then the, the third lens is focused on facilities. Um, and you know, that I think increasingly is becoming so important. And we have, um, the case study of Kansas city investing in their future by building the first ever women's professional sports stadium. And, uh, so excited about that. And we will be sort of looking at and honing in on short, medium, long-term plans for, how we can ensure that we have professional facilities that are commensurate and appropriate with the elite level talent this league is fortunate to have as our product. Yeah, I really appreciate that in-depth answer, Jessica. And speaking of investors, it's so interesting that Serena Liam's husband, Alexis, is an investor in Angel City FC. Would love to hear your thoughts on her retirement, how her trailblazing career, like how this league could reap the benefits of that. And Do you think we could ever see her closely involved um, from a soccer perspective? Well, I I mean, now that she's transitioning into the next phase of her life, um, we can certainly hope. (laughs) I'd love to have her ear and her voice at the table. Um, But I will say that uh, Alexis is highly engaged and has really innovative and creative ideas for growth. uh, super committed and authentically interested in unleashing the league in terms of our potential. And so um, it's been really fun to get to know him. He's super inspiring, um, unapologetically enthusiastic about women's sports and the NWSL in particular. We're really lucky to have him at our board table. Um, he sort of embodies the the notion of bringing together diverse perspectives gets you to a better result. Um, He thinks differently than most people I've ever sat around a board table with. And I think that's a really good thing. He he really like asks interesting questions, um, brings forward new ideas, is very comfortable in his space of being a positive disruptor. And we're lucky to reap the benefits of that. That's awesome. Um, it's it's very cool that he's involved and um, you know has that perspective. And um, it is, um, you mentioned earlier, you know, um, the investment into the Kansas City team and these different investors popping up. Um, you know, Eli Manning, Stuvert being a couple of them as well. Um, it's super exciting for the league, and I think it really speaks to you know that kind of allyship that's important, especially when it comes to women's sports and supporting women's sports. Um, but. We want to kind of get your um, maybe perspective on some things, advice for people in the industry. Can you talk about a time when you were surprised by something unexpected in a corporate meeting or setting and had to think on your feet? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just talk about the first thing that came to mind when you said that, which um, actually takes me back to my National Hockey League days where I was... Uh, fortunate enough to be involved directly in collective bargaining. And it became clear early in the labor negotiations that one of the 
seminal issues that was important to the players in the union was going to be setting up a defined benefit pension plan. And if like even hearing those four words together is like puts you to sleep, um, it will sort of illuminate the point, which is that um, I heard that and thought to myself, like, I'm not a benefits expert and not particularly interested in pension plans, but no offense to people who love that and do that for a living. But I really, it was a hard moment for me because I sort of realized as sort of the more junior person involved in the discussions that it presented an opportunity for me to lean into something that was like the hot potato, like no one really was excited about diving in on the issue. And it was clear to me that it was going to be really important to resolving the labor dispute that was ongoing with the union. And so I raised my hand to lead the pension discussions, which I knew nothing about, um, and went to school literally like with actuaries to understand the economics of it and wow. to sort That's of protect crazy. the league from a financial perspective and how it all works from a compliance perspective. And um, it turned out, thankfully, because it would have really sucked if I did all of that and <laughs> it didn't matter because it was not necessarily what I was excited about substantively. But it turned out that it actually was the thing seven, eight, nine months later that was the was the thing that got the players willing to sign CBA. And it was all that work that we had done over those six to nine months. So I guess the takeaway there is like the work is not always sexy, like working in sports. Um, but, you know, if you work hard, have a good attitude willing to roll up your sleeves and just identify the, the, the things that are falling by the wayside that are important and pick them up and like become and demonstrate to the people who are in charge that you're wanting to be a contributing member of the team and that you don't care about how cool or sexy it is that you'll get important opportunities and things tend to work out. So, um, I, I always reflect on that story because I'm, I, I honestly don't know if I would be where I am had I not taken that on myself and no one really asked me to do it. I just sort of did it myself. Um, and it was a really important learning experience for me. I love that you said that. Cause I think when people think about that role in your career, they only think about like the flashy parts of it and not some of the behind the scenes work to get to where you are today. So that's wonderful. Um, one of the questions we had for you, and, and this is kind of from the Prosca interview, I remember you touching on being a musician and I know that you have kids and you're a mother and a commissioner and you do all these different things. What do you want to be remembered for when people talk about your legacy? Oh, what a good question. Um, you know, I was recently in a, a workshop, um, on an executive leadership board that I'm on and they asked that question and it was a really hard question to answer. I'm not sure I I decided in that moment, I need to spend more time thinking about that because um, I'm not sure I had like a clear answer, but, um, you know, I, I think for me, um, my, my thought process around it really goes back to what's my superpower. Like, what is the thing that I just naturally do well? And everyone has a superpower, whether you know it or not. I think it's actually really a good exercise to think about like what makes you uniquely you in your life. Um, and I, I think this is my self-proclaimed superpower 
um, that my superpower is my, what I call what my mom actually termed being a people collector. Um, like I genuinely enjoy maintaining and cultivating meaningful relationships in my life, whether it's like old friendships, new friendships, professional networks, um, people I work for, people I work with, people who work for me. It, I, I genuinely like derive immense sort of um, energy and satisfaction from that experience. So I guess to answer your question, I, I at least today sitting here right now, I, I would hope my legacy would be that I cultivated those relationships authentically and um, in a mutual bilateral way, not that only when I need something, but when other people need something, I really do try to be available and accessible um, to people who are important to me in my life. And my, my, uh, my network of, of people is way too large to actually maintain it the way I want to. Um, but it, it really is genuine. And, and I hope that, you know, that, that would be my legacy. That's amazing. We have to have a people collector, like on the business card, like that's, that's incredible. I know Mrs. Berman, your mom coined that term and we will always give her the credit, but that that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, that was, um, I really like what you said there. Um, you know, just despite all your accomplishment, it does always come down to relationships and the people you surround yourself with. Um, another thing I want to touch on, um, I was lucky enough to be, um, on the call when you were on the collective happy hour and actually a few weeks ago we had Thayer on and we interviewed her. You are one with the terms, we love people collector. And also you mentioned a term that you like to use work-life integration. Um, I thought that was so great. Can you talk about that a little and how you kind of coined that phrase? Yeah, um, it's another thing that I'm uh, super passionate about. And again, like I, I would say something, I don't know if it's a superpower, but something that I do differently, I think than other people and it works for me. I don't know if it would work for everybody, but for me, um, I guess to your point, Sarah, um, I have a very full life. I, I really, um, I'm a single mom. I have two kids. Um, my job is obviously very demanding. Um, and I just talked about how I maintain all these professional and personal relationships in my life. So I have a lot going on. Um, and so the only way for me to do that effectively is to break down the barriers that exist between personal and professional life. Um, which for me at least was counterintuitive. It's definitely not what I would have thought I would do um, because I'm not necessarily like the most public person, but in order to do all those things, there's just not enough hours in the day to be able to put those literal walls up. And so um, what that means and the way that shows up practically is that sometimes I'm working and my kids walk in when I'm on a video call and then really no matter who I'm on the phone with, I don't like shoo them or shush them out um, and vice versa. Like if people from work call me and I'm at my kid's hockey game or soccer game, like I take the call and um, the integration is really just embracing the idea that in any given moment, it's very fluid, like where I'm needed most and um, sort of giving up the type A control that one would typically want to have. And like, well, this is my 
work time and this is my personal time. And it's just not, you know, I, I've learned at least as I've grown in my responsibilities, both personally and professionally, as I've gotten older in my life, that it's just not possible to do that if I want to do everything in my life that I want to accomplish. So I had to sort of like let go of control and let let it be a little bit messy. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll never forget um, and it really came together, obviously, during COVID for everyone, I think. But I'll never forget being on a board call during COVID when I was at the National Lacrosse League and my son was practicing the trumpet in the background. And um, oh my God. It, it was it was actually like fortuitous or ironic because we were talking about canceling the season and he was playing something that sounded like taps. It was like the dun, dun, dun. And I was like, I swear I didn't do that. Like, oh my God. They're like, tell Noah to stop. Like everyone knows my kids' names and they know that Noah plays a trumpet. And, you know, they, they, everyone I work with really knows about my kids because they're always around when I'm working. So um, that's, those are just some, I guess, examples of what I meant by that. That's amazing. Is Noah a fan favorite around the league, Jessica? Is is he known amongst amongst the players? <laughs> well, awesome. I think he will be, but actually it's my younger son, Andrew, who um when at the home opener in Angel at the Angel City home opener, they were so excited to be at an NWSL game and they were on the field and he what he's 11 and he has this like cherub face. Um, and he went around with a Sharpie and he ran out of room on his hat. And so he took his hat off and had players autographing oh. face with a Sharpie. And I don't think the players knew that it was my son, that he was my son. But then when they did, they were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I just wrote on the commissioner's son face with a Sharpie. Um, but no, yes, they they all sort of like know who my kids are. And um, my older son has an infamous mullet. So everyone, he's very recognizable when we're around. People sort of know him when he walks, when he walks in. So glad we asked. This is the, this was the best tidbit. This is amazing. Um, so glad we got to know your family a bit more. And hopefully during our, our rapid fire round, we'll get to know you more outside of work, which is definitely the goal. Um, okay. So are you ready for rapid fire? I'm going to ask the first question. Yes. Um, okay. So if you were on a road trip and you could only have one athlete next to you, would it be Serena Williams, Simone Biles, or Candace Parker? Oh, um, I, I guess at the risk of saying what maybe a lot of people would say right now in August of 2022, I'd, I'd probably say Serena, um, just because having read her article and, um, being a mom and, really getting like a glimpse into her thought process about, you know, the challenges associated with how to be a mom and be an athlete and how relevant those issues are in my league right now with our players. Like I would love to pick her brain and make her a captive audience for me so I could interrogate her with lots of questions. So I would say Serena. And, and it's perfect because you're stuck in a car together for hours. Um, right, exactly. She'd yes, be that, forced to answer all my questions. For sure. But yes, that article she wrote was incredible. Um, Sarah and I read it like together almost. And yeah, that was amazing. All right. Next question. We know you're from Brooklyn. What's your favorite pizza place in Brooklyn? Oh, it's, um, it's, I think it's called Pronto Pizza. I grew up in real Brooklyn. Um, so it's, 
you know, I, I like to say that no offense to people who live in like fancy Brooklyn, but it's not real. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. Real Brooklyn, like the pizza, the bagels is like a different thing. Yeah. And no one has ever heard of the pizza places that I grew up going okay. to. But if you go on Kings highway and, uh, ocean Avenue, you will find the best bagels, best pizza. Um, right. and mostly people who don't speak English because it is like highly diverse. Um, and it is almost like you're in another country and it's a super cool experience. So I do have to ask you and add some Canarsie. Um, oh. so the real Brooklyn, um, how, how do you feel about Bialis? Because that is like a secret, right? Yeah. No one else knows oh, that, I, I don't, people don't know what Bialis are, which I find really yeah. odd. No, I love Bialis and I love, and for those who don't know what they are, they are like a better version of a bagel, um, a lot less bread. So it's like healthier. They're, they're definitely like healthier. less I love that you said that. It is <laughs> We're making bagels and, healthy. <laughs> and it like with cream cheese, a Bialis, there's like nothing better than a Bialy. Okay. That's Have cool. you ever had a Bialy, Sarah? No, I, I I really want to let you and Carly bond about okay, the Brooklyn Sarah, roots. I, I have to take you next time. Yes. Yeah. yeah you owe yeah. me that. You gotta. You have to be educated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Jessica, you mentioned that you have two sons. Are you a hockey mom or soccer mom or maybe even another sport that your kids play? I'd be interested to hear what they play. Yeah, I'm a. I'm both. Um, so we, I sort of adopt the multi-sport athlete thing. Um, feel really, really strongly about that. I was schooled by Pat LaFontaine at the NHL about the benefits of playing multiple sports. And so, um, and that was early in the years when my kids were growing up. So um, I only let them play one travel sport at a time and they play hockey, that's their travel sport, but they also play a rec sport in every season. So they play soccer, baseball, um, they, they dabbled in some other stuff, but I would say in mostly in the fall, they play soccer and in the spring, they play baseball. Wow. So they're very athletic. Clearly. Very athletic. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, when you watch a game on TV, are you watching the game out or are you staying in? Um, well, these days, and it's evolved, like I think many people probably, if you surveyed like now versus two years ago versus five years ago. But right now I tend to watch more on my phone, um, especially in the summer, because I feel like I'm all over the place. Um, if it's like a big game, I will like plan around it and like order in and have it on the TV. But um, if it's just sort of a regular game, I'll pull it up on my phone. Yeah. That's what, that's what we've been doing too. And what is your favorite game day food? Like, are you more sweet or salty? Um, my favorite food for like game day, I guess, in, and this is like a joke among all my friends, because it's, I like would eat it with a spoon is the most disgusting thing in the entire world, which is. I hope you say Nutella. Uh, no, no, mm. I don't like Nutella. Salsa con queso. <laughs> it's like the Tostitos nasty processed cheese <laughs> in the jar. I could literally wow. eat that with a spoon, like actually. So that's my favorite. Like if I'm going to splurge on something that's not good for me, I'll eat that. I don't know if that's more shocking or you having issues with Nutella. <laughs> I feel attacked. In, in both I don't directions. like chocolate. 
Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, that is that is, that is incredible. Weird. Yeah. But yeah. I'm a vanilla person. So I yeah. I like sweets, but I'm like sugar. I like sugar, not chocolate. Yeah. Okay. The, the spoon and the salsa queso, that is a new one. Yeah. Mm. Um, we wanna know, all right, which Olympian would you karaoke with and what song would you sing? Ah. Uh. Um, which Olympian? Jessica, can you say anybody has ever asked you this question in, in an interview before? No, okay, good. I don't good. think so. That's a crazy question. Yeah, we like um, to mix it up sometimes. Which Olympian? I I feel like maybe like Katie Ledecky. Um, top tier. Yeah, and I don't know, like uh. The, the, I'll say the song that just came to my mind, which is a very random song, but like, ain't no mountain high enough. I don't know. I just love like, that song. You really get into that. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't know why great. I just thought of that song, but that's what I imagined when I imagined Katie and I. Carry <laughs> you know, I hope you can make that happen someday. That I feel like great. I might be able to because her uncle is the owner of the Islanders and oh. we're very friendly. So Maybe I could like manifest that in, yeah. in that real be, that life. That would be great to see. That would be like a once in a lifetime sports <laughs> yeah. situation. That's, yeah. That's amazing. Um, please invite us. Now that we're on the topic of music, if we were to go on your Spotify, what would be your two top artists? Oh, um, it depends on the sort of like time of year or what's going on. I, I'm definitely an 80s person I listen to a lot of 80s but lately I've been on a very random Broadway kick um I don't know why so I I've been listening to like Hamilton and Rent and um Les Mis um I don't know why but I've been that is so niche Jessica that's not Broadway soundtracks lately I don't know that's that's what I've been that's the track I've been on lately you know, sometimes you just need a good old Broadway soundtrack, some show tunes and nothing wrong. And with yeah, that. and actually like two months ago, now that I think about it, I was on this very deep 90s hip hop um, uh, binge and my kids were very upset at me for like ne- having not introduced them to that music earlier in life. They were like, where, where have you been? Like, why, why were you holding? And then I said like, well, this is actually the music I grew up listening to. I grew up in Brooklyn. They're like, we've been alive for 14 and 11 years. And like, you've never exposed us. How do you know every word? I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess I wasn't like in that mode, but so we, we went down, we went deep into like Tribe Called Quest and Naughty by Nature and there, it was fun. I, I gave them a hip hop education. That, that's great. That's really that's so amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Jessica, this has been amazing. Um, we thank you for all your insight and sharing so much with us. And we've had a great time. So thank you so much for coming on. Of course. It was great to be here with you and to see you again, Sarah. Thank you so much. That was such an incredible interview. I had an amazing time talking to Jessica. I think that we really learned some 
amazing things from her insight. I thought it was great that we got to know her outside of work. And I really, really hope that our listeners enjoyed it. I know. I think the best thing about listening to some of her interests outside of work and kind of what it's taken her to get to this point and be as successful as she is is that, you know, you don't get to see these things every day. And she she's a mother. She's a musician. She has so many other things going on in her life. Mm-hmm. And she somehow balances it all. And I think that's a lesson we can all take away from it. Yes, it's that work-life integration. <laughs> yes, I, I love that term. I love that term. And I think it's something that we need to, you know, pe- more people need to adopt in their lives. And I know for me personally, you know, I try to be the separate everything. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't work that way. So, um, I love what she said about that. I think I think our listeners can take a lot um, from what she said about her career and her life and how she manages everything. And I think there's some, you know, true real world um, advice in there. Yeah, seriously, we we feel so grateful to Jessica and her amazing PR team. What what an incredible interview. Absolutely. And you guys know where to find us next one up podcast on tiktok instagram and twitter next one up pod at gmail.com and we will see you guys next week 